You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Uh, Jack, you have an announcement. I tell you, it could be an actor, uh, Jesse Vitter. I'm going to ask him if he was a movie star, maybe in his other life. We don't believe in reincarnation, just... (laughs) Jack. Well, good morning, church. I hope everybody's doing good. Uh, The month of October is uh, a month of uh, past appreciation. I mean, look, we appreciate him anyway. But the thing is, let's, all of us, show him how much we really appreciate him this month. So whatever God speaks to you, do what you have to do and show him how much you really appreciate him, all right? All right. Thanks, Jack. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Always making it spicy with the Italian Jack. Hey, we had an awesome Fall Harvest Festival. Come on, somebody. Absolutely awesome. I want to give a couple shout-outs. Farmer Steve, thank you for providing the tractor and the hayride. Awesome. Thank you, Nate Gogler, for handling the second shift on the, on the tractor. And thank you to everybody who helped. Can we just give a, a sign of appreciation, just a round of applause for everybody who came out and helped put this event together. Absolutely awesome. I also want to mention real quick that we have some specific areas um, in need of help. I know often we show up to church and we think, you know, like all of the uh, volunteer positions are settled. They don't need my help. You know, what kind of giftings do I have? Well, I want to challenge you to test God on that. Let's see what giftings you have because how many of you know God has all given us something for his purpose? Come on, somebody. And so I want to challenge you. We are in need of parking lot attendance. I don't know if you noticed, but the parking lot is getting full. It's a good problem to have. Some have asked you, like, Pastor, why didn't you make the parking lot bigger? And I get it. But let me, let me show you just a quick example as to why the parking lot is not bigger. This is a state road, and the township informed us that if we go any bigger than where we are, that we're going to have to apply for a permit through the state. And that is a very lengthy process. We're starting that process, but we needed to meet the needs now to get everybody out of the grass, especially before the snow starts falling. Come on, somebody. And I know all the truck drivers are in the church going, come on, let me at it, pastor. I can get out. I know that the Fords can get out. Oh, jumped about four degrees in here. <laughs> so we needed to meet the needs, our immediate needs. And so we accomplished that. So make no mistake that in the near future, we're going to be looking into the process of extending it again so that we can meet the um, growth of our church. What God is doing here is unprecedented. Just absolutely incredible. So I say all of that to say we are in need of parking lot attendants to help us manage the growth. 
In reality, we're in very much so we're needed the two areas that we really need help in, parking lot attendance, and we really need help with our worship team. Um, the, the rate of growth that we're seeing here, as you notice, most of the worship team members are on week after week after week after week. And we would love to have enough musicians that we can have a rotating schedule because how many of you know that we're not here to burn any, anybody out? Amen, church? We want to make sure that we're honoring our volunteers and giving them time off. And so if you have a talent, if you play and are musically inclined and you sing, um, please talk to Mike Liedig. Uh, good to see you, Mike, in church today. Um, if you would please connect with Mike and he can talk to you about the process as far as what we do as, uh, as far as tryouts and so on and so forth to get you onto the worship team. God is good. All the time. Some of you just showed your Pentecostal upbringing right there. <laughs> And I love it. So, hey, we're concluding this series, Family Blueprints, uh, today. Everybody say, ah. And so, honestly, I always say this. I know I say this every time we close out a series. I'm like, man, I could preach on this series for like six to eight months. But we wanted to go, to go through the foundations of building this, this sermon series that, that would equip us as the church to build our families and establish our families on the Word of God. Because how many of you know that there's no better place for your family to be than planted in the Word of God? Amen, Amen church? Amen. And so next week, we're going to be launching a series titled Spiritual Warfare. Um, this, is this is awesome. I'm loving this. As an extrovert, you guys are like, this is awesome. So next week, we're launching our series, Spiritual Warfare. Um, the reality of spiritual warfare is a topic that I plan on preaching on every year. So if you remember last year, we really talked about demonic influences in our culture. This year, we're talking about the reality of spiritual warfare. As you can see, our nation, our world is in utter chaos, and I want to make sure that we're understanding that what we are seeing, there's so much going on in the unseen. And what we see is the result of the unseen. And so we're going to be getting into that next week. But this week, I want to close out this sermon series titled Family Blueprint. Everybody say family, family. blueprint. And again, just a refresher, the point in this sermon series is that we would create a plan so that you could lead your family into God's purpose for your lives. God wants to accomplish things not only in your life, but in your children's lives and in the family unit as a whole. So what we're talking about here is not necessarily, we're not giving you a plan and say, this is the universal plan, everybody work according to this and all your needs will be met. Every family's at different places spiritually, everybody's at different places as a family with your time schedule. And so the whole um, idea behind this series is that we would give you fundamentals to build your own own plan around. So I want to challenge you, this sermon is not all there is to the series. The, really, the, the change, the fruit that this sermon series bears is dependent upon you. So I want to challenge you, husbands, wives, to sit down and create a plan, mapping out, saying this is what we are going, these are the principles that we are going to lead our family by. This is how we are going to prioritize the Word of God. This is how we are going to introduce our children into a healthy prayer lifestyle and devotional lifestyle, and so on and so forth. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. My hope is to provide with motivation that you and your spouse would begin the process of developing a plan. This morning, if you would turn with me to chap Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. That's Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verses 21 through 23. Some of you who read your Bibles are already grinning, and that scares me. Today, this 
Scripture is crucial to the development of a family plan because it helps us understand, dad and mom, how we are supposed to love our spouse. Don't show it on the screen yet. I have to build. The reason why we're diving into Ephesians chapter 5 today is because we need to put this scripture back into its context. Because it has been abused within the church more than it has been outside of the church. Rather than producing love and relationship, this scripture is often perceived as demeaning and hurtful. And so we're going to dive into this scripture. I know it's controversial, but that's just kind of me. So uh, we're going to dive into Ephesians chapter 5 if you'd follow along. Verses 21 through 23, or excuse me, 21 through 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ so that wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Pause real quick. What did Christ do for the church? So the responsibility of this text is on who? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her with water through the word and to present to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are the members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and, or excuse me, his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. We need you in our marriages. We need you in our families. We need you in our kids' lives. God, we need you as a nation. We need you as a church. And we need you as a family. So Lord, would you open our hearts, open our minds, take us deep in our relationship with you, we ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. So this verse, um, I gotta say, there's been a few moments in my life where this Uh, verse has punched me in the face. Allow me to elaborate. The first wedding that I ever did, I was excited. It was the first one that I was about to ever officiate as a pastor. I had my pastoral license. We had gone through all of the marital, premarital counseling. We were setting up for an exciting day. I'm looking at this day and I'm like, this is it. I mean, I was scared. I was nervous, but I was also excited. What an opportunity to help uh, two individuals enter into a covenant under God. It is a sacred moment. How many of you agree marriage is a sacred thing? So here we are, and I'm getting excited for this, this moment, and it's the day of the, uh, the wedding rehearsal, and so I'm setting up the church and getting ready, and the wedding party starts filtering in the doors, and there's excitement, and again, my heart is just going and going and going. First time I've ever done this. And so the time arrives for us to start the rehearsal, and the way that I do my wedding rehearsals is we start where everybody ends up. 
So we start up at the altar, everybody gets in their places, and then I walk through um, some of the uh, covenant, you know, with the, uh, the couple, talking about what it means, what words to say, following my lead, and so on and so forth. And then Ephesians 5. And I was always taught to include Ephesians 5 in wedding ceremonies, and I have uh, the couple here, and I start reading off Ephesians 5, uh, chapter, or excuse me, chapter 5, verses 21 through 22, submit to one another out of reverence, wives submit to your husbands, and the bride said, hold on. said, yes. She said, what did you just say? I said, it wasn't me, it was the Bible. <laughs> it's in there. It's right there. I am scared out of my mind at this point because I'm like, I just broke up a marriage before it even started. And we're sitting there and I read off the verse and she says, I am not a dog. I will not submit. And I'm sitting there like, there is no college course on this earth that has ever prepared me for a moment like this. And at the same time, I'm looking at the, uh, the groom going, The door to the building is behind me. Who said that? And I tried to explain to this spouse who understandably was offended because when we take God's scripture out of context, it is offensive. And she was hurt by this verse being out of context and not the verse itself. And I understand her offense. And in that moment, I tried my best to walk the, the couple through this, and, and uh, she was just kind of bent on, I do not want this verse read at my wedding. And I'm like sitting there like, God, I don't know what you want me to do. I, and so I said, okay. And meanwhile, my dad, who's been in ministry you know, all my life, I call him and I'm like, did I just you know, make something sacred? Did I just desacralize a marriage by excluding this scripture? He's like, no, no, no. And so we walked through it. But I remember thinking to myself, my goodness, if, if we could just understand how beautiful this verse is, but we first have to understand the context. That's why we're talking about this today. My first point with you, as we break down this scripture and put it back into its holy place of in context is this. First, Ephesians 5 verse 21 is a call to mutual submission. I want to say that again. Ephesians 5 verse 21 is a call to mutual submission. The very beginning of this verse starts out with this sentence, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, it's not a conversation where we're hammering down on the women saying, submit, 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 submit. Paul is having a conversation and he says, you both are going to submit and now we're going to break down how you are going to submit. It's a call to mutual submission. And friends, I, ha- I want to hit the pause button. If submitting to Christ causes offense in us, we need to hit the pause button. Because to be under the authority of Christ is to be in a beautiful place. 
And so if there's a fence that arises out of us, I would debate, I would say that we are probably offended by Scripture being taken out of context. First, husbands and wives are both called to submission to one another. From that point on, he directs the conversation to women, how they can accomplish their submission, and then to men and how they can accomplish their submission to first Christ. Then he has a conversation with men on how they can submit. Both are called to submission, but in different ways. Paul is also teaching us how we love our spouses, what communicates love to them. Again, one of the things that I teach in our premarital counseling course is, a, is by a book titled The Five Love Languages. How many of you are familiar with this book? If you haven't read it, I highly encourage you to read it. Five love languages is basically five categories that all of us, it's what communicates love to us. Some people, what communicates love to them is you giving them your undivided time, your undivided attention. Where you focus in, that means the world to them. Some people, they're gift givers. When you give them a gift, it makes them feel full and satisfied. Some people, uh, physical touch is their love language. And you put your hand on their shoulder when, when you just let them know that you're present. That means the world to them. It's what communicates love. Very much so, Paul is here communicating to us saying, this is how men and women receive love. Husband and wives are both called to submission to Christ. Can I hear a good Amen. Secondly, the husband is not commanded to govern, he is commanded to love. Isn't it interesting that we tend to focus on that governance principle, but that's not what we're taught, men. We're taught to love. And here's what I mean by this. Love is the means by which the husband secures his leadership. Love is the means in which a husband secures his leadership. Scripture says, okay, husbands, you want to be leaders, you're going to be the head servant. And there is a vast difference between boss and servant. The focal point isn't dominance. The focal point is love. Here's what ends up happening as a result of love. Love is the means by which the husband secures leadership. It is not manipulating. It is not overpowering. It is not domineering. It's love. The Bible specifically tells men, if you love your wife and take care of her like Jesus, then she will naturally want to put her trust in you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what does that look like? Loving your wife as Christ loves the church means that you provide stability for your wife that you seek to bring her joy, that you seek to make her happy, as 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 33 tells us to. You provide protection and bring honor to her, that you bring spiritual growth to your marriage and her life, and that you exemplify purity, and that you lead your marriage into holiness, that you love her with self-sacrificial love, that love always seeks what is best for her first, even if it costs you your life. The scripture also assumes that men in leadership of the home are worth following. Men, are you a leader worth following? Because leading the home in spiritual growth, this is what we're challenged to do. Men are called to lead their homes in spiritual growth, organization, authority, grace, mercy, love, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And dads, you showing self-sacrificial love resembles Christ's sacrificial love to the family. 
Does your family see Jesus in you? Because here's the reality. Dads, when you are absent from this position, husbands, when you are absent from this position, all of this responsibility is added to whatever responsibility mom currently has. And no person can do everything. No mother can be a father and no father can be a mother. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Well, pastor, is there anything else to that definition? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 tells us that this is, this is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, and it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Did you hear that? Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Husbands, you are called to be submissive to your wife by meeting every one of her needs. That's how you and I are called to be submissive. This is a conversation for both husband and wives that is not either or, it is both. And this is how you and I are submissive to our wives. We seek to meet their needs. Somebody give me an amen. You all are making me feel lonely up here. <laughs> Do we always achieve this, men? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I love it. Do we always achieve that? No. No. Do we always achieve it? No. I'm not even touching that. <laughs> Do we always achieve this? No. But should we always desire this? Yes. Husbands are called to take on the weight of servanthood leadership, and wives are called to honor that service. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, we just talked about men submitting to their wives, and now let's flip the conversation around. Wives, submit to your husbands excuse me, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. Let's define submit for a moment. Submit does not mean a dog to a master. Can I hear an amen on that? That's abusive, that's domineering, that's overpowering. There's no Christ-like love in that. But out of honor, love, and trust, you trust your husband, that you bring honor to him, that when he's not around, we're not bad-mouthing our husbands that we're not shaming his effort to serve the family. And right now, this is a very popular thing to do in our culture. How many of you know that? I mean, come on, think of the sitcoms where dad is portrayed as an idiot and mom in every scene, mom is shown just kind of expressing how stupid the father is. And we've been fed this message for a long time, since the 60s. And now we're seeing the fruit of that. Submission means that you bring honor to your husband, that he's a leader worth following, and that you trust in his leadership, understanding that he is submitted 100% to God. But here's what ruins this verse. 
This verse is often rejected out of hurts and abuses. This verse is accepted when it is lived out biblically. I want to say that again. This verse, if you're offended by this verse, I would beg to, I would beg to differ. I would say that, that you've probably been hurt because this has been used as a hammer to, to hit you. But how beautiful it is whenever this is lived out biblically. And can I also say that healing takes place in the home when this is lived out biblically. False modern day teaching says this, women... You can and should be mom, dad, servant, leader, and do it perfectly. It's a false teaching of our day that moms, you should do everything. The responsibility as head of the household means this. God has put the weight of spiritual climate of the household on the men. And here's how scary that is because often men, we hear leadership and we're like, yeah, let's run towards it. But let's just calm down for a second and understand the weight and gravity of this command to lead our homes as Christ loves the church. It means this, all collateral damage that is a result of our rebellion to God is our wives and our children. All of the collateral damage that is a result of you and I rebelling against God's command and the way that we lead our households, what's up for grabs? Our wives and our children. That is a heavy burden to bear. But with Christ's help, we can do it. Mom's modern day teaching says that you should bear this responsibility, and it's just not fair. It's why so many moms are worn out and crushed right now because they are worn out and crushed. Men, the responsibility goes back to the garden. Eve eats the fruit first and yet God comes looking for answers from Adam because he neglected his responsibility to honor and love and serve his wife for what is best for her. The Bible says that when Eve took of the fruit, that it says that she just gave some to Adam because Adam was right next to her. What is Adam doing standing there while Satan is tempting his wife? He's absent. He's there, but he's not there. He's there, but he's not there. And dads, this is the pattern of modern day. That dads are present in the home, but where are you spiritually? That dads, you show up to the house and you, you, you give the house your check, but where are you providing stability? The problem today is the same thing with Adam. Adam was absent and neglected his responsibilities. And men, that's the pattern of today. That you're present, you're with your family at moments, but you're not serving your family. And it's a challenge that God has given us and it's a challenge that we're called to live out. With his help and the Holy Spirit's empowerment, we can do it. Come on, somebody. Say it like you mean it. False modern-day teaching says, men, your only job is to provide a paycheck. So we have this horrible, uh, 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 horrible image happening right now where moms, you're given all the responsibility to bear, and then dads, you just show up with a paycheck, and that's all, that's all your responsibility, and tails, go ahead and sit on their recliner and relax. Men, leading the marriage means this, that if you are not loving in a selfless way, if your household is not growing spiritually, if your wife is frustrated as a result of ungodly decisions, if your marriage is not pursuing God's plan, it is your job to take responsibility for these things. Amen. 
Thanks, Jack. (laughs) In order to love your wife and your family as Christ does, your wife and family needs more than a paycheck. Men and women are distinct from one another, but dependent upon one another. The feminist movement has lied. And men, modern day teaching has lied. And it's time for us to get biblically rooted for the sake of our families because right now our culture is at a tipping point. And if godly men do not rise up, if godly women do not rise up, the family unit is lost. But God's still on the throne. Come on, somebody. There's still time to turn this around. I will forever say one revival in our culture would be flipped back to a biblical serving culture. Don't ever count God out of the equation. Come on, somebody. No mother can be a father and no father can be a mother. We need one another. And here's a question that I just want to throw out. So we take this verse about mutual submission and we talk about husbands loving your wives and wives bringing honor and trust to your husbands because he's, he's honorable and trustworthy, that he's leading his life in that way. Don't you want a spouse with these characteristics? I mean, honestly, think about it for a second. Women, don't you want a man that can be mature, responsible, and seek to meet your needs? Don't laugh. Men, don't you want a woman that trusts and honors and respects you? Then this biblical passage makes sense. Here's what a husband leading with his wife's support looks like. I have a sister. And growing up, Becca was receiving very inappropriate notes from a boy at school. Somebody go, dum, dum, dum. (laughs) And my mom found one of these notes and took it to the leader of the household, my dad, because she was entrusting that responsibility into my dad's hands, recognizing that he was very much so capable of taking care of the situation at hand. (laughs) So my dad went down to the school, met with the principal, got the contact information for this boy and his parents and had a little meeting. And I think that boy had something called the fear of God in him that day. Because after my dad sat down with this family and read the notes out loud to his parents and with him in that office, he established something and that was, you do not even look at my daughter, let alone think that you have the ability to talk to her. Because my dad recognized his role, and he in that moment was loving his daughter as Christ loves the church. You know that Christ is protective over you? Tells the disciples, he says, go sell your cloaks and get swords. He's protective of us. And men, you and I are called to lead in such a way that our wives trust us with these kind of responsibilities. Amen? And in my own household, when there is a difficult decision that needs to be made, my wife trusts that I will spend time with God seeking discernment. And before the decision is made, and here's how I honor my wife, men, because we think leadership means I make all the decisions, and that's just stupid. Here's how I honor my wife. 
I feel like the Lord gives me discernment in a situation, and I take it to Kylie, and I say, are we in agreement with this? It's how we maintain unity. Honey, is this going to bring honor to you? Is this going to be settling to you? I don't want to cause you any anxiety with my decisions. So can we be in unity over this? And I inherited that from my dad, and do I always accomplish it? No, but do I always desire to lead my family in that way? Yes, and can I tell you that my wife will often bring tears to my eyes in the way that she honors and trusts me. It's how I receive love, and it's how Paul says, men, we receive love. Women, how we receive love, and this scripture makes sense. Amen? Amen. Worship team, would you come? Here's the reality most women reject this scripture because they've never met a man that seeks to meet her needs with this position. And most men abuse this scripture because they don't love like Jesus. This scripture starts out with this statement, submit to one another. And these are our roles and this is how we were created And when we operate outside of these roles, frustration, brokenness enters into the family household. Things are confusing. There's no leader. Kids are seeking a leader. And it just becomes a home of brokenness. But when you submit to one another in this way, your home becomes a place of healing. Your kids know who they are and recognize leadership and recognize identity, and it provides a foundation for them. And to go one level deeper, so you have this husband who is working in unity with his wife, and he's seeking to meet her needs, and she's bringing honor to his name and trust and respect, and there's this beautiful harmony that's happening in the home. As you love one another like that, the world around us sees Christ in your relationship. They see Christ's love. What man would serve his wife like that? What wife would bring honor and trust and respect to her husband like that? What is happening in this household? You begin to show the love of Christ, and it's scriptural. I said this last week, and I want to remind us, the first institution that Satan battled and went after was the institution of marriage because marriage has the uh, ability to show the image of God to our world and that infuriates Satan. So what is Satan doing in modern day? He's trying to use God's scripture against us just like he did in the garden. Did God really say you know, that verse is very offensive. You should just live how, how you want to. Men, you deserve to come home and just take a nap on the couch. Mom can handle everything. And little by little, the family unit in our culture is taken apart. And then you have a broken household that produces broken children. 
And then you have generational curses that begin to take place. But my God said, I will crush the snake's head. Come on, somebody. I don't care what fight you've seen. When there's a fight happening and Satan might land some hits and cause some bruises, the loser is the one with a crushed head. And Satan is very much so the one with the crushed head. And so what I want to challenge and encourage our families to do this morning is to help crush the enemy's head. Allow this truth to be lived out in your marriages. When you sit down this week, if you haven't done so already, when you sit down this week to start building a family blueprint, a foundation to your marriage, make sure that your roles and your identity is rooted in this because it's what God establishes. And His ways, they always work. Would you stand with me? And before we conclude, I just want to throw out these categories because I represent that not everybody in the room this morning is in a family unit. Your kids might be grown up and you're like, Pastor, that's great. What do I do with this? If you're single, I want to challenge you to look for these qualities in someone. As you enter into the arena of dating, I want to challenge you to look for somebody with these qualities. Grandparents, look to instill these things in the next generation. If you don't have grandkids of your own, you can serve in a kids' ministry at a church near you. <laughs> Adopt a grandkid day. And you can instill these values, these biblical principles in the next generation. If you're married and your spouse doesn't know the Lord, love and serve them. But remember that your obedience to God always comes first. And if there is an interference in this relationship, in this marriage, where your husband or spouse is trying to pull you away from things that draw you nearer to God, your obedience to God comes first but always love them and serve them, hoping and praying that they will see the love of Christ in you. And that that love that you have for them and the way that you serve them will draw them nearer to Christ. And lastly, if you're a married couple, ask your spouse these two questions. One, how am I serving you? And two, how can I improve? One, how am I serving you? And two, how can I improve? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we don't want to be a generation that has hardened hearts that are far from you. And we recognize that the heart of God is all in Ephesians 5. It's why we read that you love us in such a selfless way, God. How can we not exemplify that when we are growing closer to you and becoming more like you. How can we not display that and withhold that from our family? But Lord, I pray that in these last days that the family unit would once again be reestablished on the cross. Draw us near to you, Lord. Help us. Lord, for the husbands here today, help them 
to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And for the wives here today, Lord, help them. Help them to bring honor and trust in their husband's leadership and therefore fulfilling this through biblical submission. But we recognize, Lord, that unless we are all submitted to you, this is all meaningless. So help us both, husband and wife, to be in full submission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, would you go with us? Lead us and guide us, I ask. Empower us. Help us to live out these biblical truths here. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said? And everybody shouted? This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.